0: Hello and welcome to Scintillating Stories. In this show we read short stories by a variety of authors. Today's tale is set in World War I, a time that has been mythologised over the years. This story walks the line between record and legend. The Bowman by Arthur Machen. It was during the retreat of the 80,000 and the authority of the censorship is sufficient excuse for not being more explicit but it was on that most awful day of that awful time on the day when ruin and disaster came so near that their shadow fell over London far away and without any certain news the hearts of men failed within them and grew faint as if the agony of the army in the battlefield had entered into their souls. On this dreadful day then and 300,000 men in arms with all their artillery swelled like a flood against the little English company, there was one point above all other points in our battle line that was for a time in awful danger, not merely of defeat, but of utter annihilation. With the permission of the censorship and the military expert, this corner may perhaps be described as salient. And if this angle was crushed and broken, then the English force as a whole would be shattered, the Allied left would be turned and Sedan would inevitably follow. All the morning the German guns had thundered and shrieked against this corner and against the thousand or so men who held it. The men joked at the shells and found funny names for them and had bets about them and greeted them with scraps of musical songs. But the shells came on and burst and tore good Englishmen limb from limb and tore brother from brother and as the heat of the day increased so did the fury of that terrific cannonade there was no help, it seemed. The English artillery was good, but there was not nearly enough of it. It was being steadily battered into scrap iron. There comes a moment in a storm at sea when people say to one another, it's at its worst, it can't blow any harder. And then there is a blast ten times more fierce than any before it. So it was in these British trenches. There were no stouter hearts in the whole world than the hearts of these men, but even they were appalled as the seven times heated hell of the German cannonade fell upon them and overwhelmed them and destroyed them. And at this very moment they saw from their trenches that a tremendous host was moving against their lines. Five hundred of the thousand remained, and as far as they could see the German infantry was pressing on against them. Column upon column, a grey world of men, ten thousand of them, as it appeared afterwards. There was no hope at all. They shook hands, some of them. One man improvised a new version of the battle song, Goodbye, Goodbye to Tipperary, ending with, And we shan't get there. And they all went on firing steadily. The officer pointed out that such an opportunity for high-class, fancy shooting might never occur again. The tipperary humorist asked, "'What price? Sydney Street?' And the few machine guns did their best. But everyone knew it was of no use. The dead grey bodies lay in companies and battalions as others came on and on and on, and they swarmed and stirred and advanced from beyond and beyond. "'World without end! Ah, men!' "'said one of the British soldiers with some irrelevance "'as he took aim and fired. "'And then he remembered. "'He says he cannot think why or wherefore. "'A queer vegetarian restaurant in London "'where he had once or twice eaten eccentric dishes "'of cutlets made of lentils and nuts that pretended to be steak. "'On all of the plates in this restaurant "'there was printed a figure of St. George in blue "'with the motto, "'Adsit Anglis Sanctus Georgius. "'May St. George be a present help to the English.' This soldier happened to know Latin and other useless things, and now as he fired at his man in the grey advancing mass 300 yards away, he uttered the pious vegetarian motto. He went on firing to the end, and at last Bill on his right had to clout him cheerfully over the head to make him stop, pointing out as he did so that the king's ammunition cost money and was not likely to be wasted in drilling funny patterns into dead Germans. For as the Latin scholar uttered his invocation, he felt something between a shudder and an electric shock passed through his body. The roar of the battle died down in his ears to a gentle murmur. Instead of it, he says, he heard a great voice and a shout louder than a thunder peal, crying, Hooray! 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 His heart grew hot as a burning coal. It grew cold as ice within him, as it seemed to him that a tumult of voices answered his summons. He heard... Or seemed to hear thousands shouting, "Sir George, Sir George, sweet saint, George, Sir George, George, and as strong bow, and a strong he and before him, beyond and trench, a long line of shapes with a shining about them. a a They were like men who drew the bow, and with another shout, their cloud of arrows flew singing and tingling through the air towards the German hosts. The other men in the trench were firing all the while. They had no hope, but they aimed just as if they'd been shooting at Bisley. Suddenly, one of them lifted up his voice in the plainest English. God help us, he bellowed to the man next to him. But we're blooming marvels. Look at these grey gentlemen. Look at them. Do you see them? They're not going down in dozens, nor in hundreds. It's thousands, it is. Look, look, there's a regiment gone while I'm talking to you. Shut it, the other soldier bellowed, taking aim. What are you gassing about? But he gulped with astonishment, even as he spoke, for indeed the grey men were falling by the thousands. The English could hear the guttural scream of the German officers, the crackle of their revolvers as they shot the reluctant, and still line after line crashed to the earth. All the while, the Latin-bred soldier heard the cry, "Hello,, harrou! Monseigneur, dear saint! Quick to our aid! St. George, help, help us! us. High Chevalier, defend, defend us!' The singing arrows flew so swift and thick that they darkened the air. The heathen hordes melted from before them. "'More machine guns!' Bill yelled to Tom. "'Don't hear them!' Tom yelled back. "'But thank God, anyway, they've got it in the neck!' In fact, there were 10,000 dead German soldiers left before that salient of the English army, and consequently, there was no sedan. In Germany, a country ruled by scientific principles, the great general staff decided that the contemptible English must have employed shells containing an unknown gas of a poisonous nature, as no wounds were discernible on the bodies of the dead German soldiers – but the man who knew what nuts tasted like when they called themselves steak knew also that St. George had brought his Agincourt bowmen to help the English. Thank you so much for listening. This story is in the public domain and was originally published in 1914 in the Evening News. If you have a story you'd like us to read, then send it to our Facebook page, And subscribe if you would like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production.